I'm Rabbi Patrick. And I'm Dan, the sidekick. <laughs> and this is Judaism, Judaism is, is Inconvenient. That was totally unrehearsed on our part. We just thought, you know... Hey, let's see what would happen if we like do more of like a buddy intro. And, and uh, it went great. Yeah, it went yeah, fantastic. It went great. Everyone loves it. So, uh, yeah, so welcome to the Rabbi Patrick podcast. And uh, I am so thrilled to be doing a second uh, episode in what I hope will be the ongoing transformation of the Rabbi Patrick podcast, which now that uh, I have a sidekick here, I feel like the Rabbi Patrick podcast is like the most, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Egotistical name possible, oh, right? Yes, yes right. Because so, you're, you're, you're essentially um, excluding somebody yeah, at yeah, the same time. Yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. that's the spirit of the show. So <laughs> Exclusion. Works. And we, we did exclude, we've excluded the ukulele today. Yeah. I didn't bring it, but it, it's... I pulled a chair out for it, so it's oh, that's nice symbolically here. Why? Why did the ukulele not get to come? Um, grounded. Ground. Grounded the grounded. ukulele. Yeah, they misbehave. Nice. You know. It was playing all the wrong covers. <laughs> yeah, just like we're not going to do this anymore. No, exactly. Got to set limits. Oh, fair enough. Got to set limits. I did that with the cats. The cats yes. were the cats were drinking out of your water glass. You're right. And that we just weren't going to have any of that. Can't do it. As cute as it was, though. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's admit it. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So what's been going on in your life? Anything fun you want to share with uh, with people? Besides grounding my ukulele, no. Nah, you got that's nothing. About as, that's about as you deep as nothing. I want to go. I'm going to remain mysterious here. Fair enough. Yeah, that'll make you more interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It'll be like, um, you know, Boba Fett or Grand Moff Tarkin or all of the other Star Wars characters that don't have a history. Right. But then all of the fanboys went nuts. And fangirls. I should say fangirls as well. Went nuts and uh, they became the most popular characters. So you'll be the most popular part of the Rabbi Patrick podcast. Well, you know. At least I'll be in the top two. Yeah. At least yeah. I'll be in the top two no matter what. Now, now, did you see the new movie? I did. Okay, was it good? I'm not a Star Wars guy, never have been. So this is irrelevant to you. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, I, I I feel like I'm missing out a little bit. You know, just like, here's this thing that's brought people so much joy and it never really hit for me. But did, did you enjoy it? I, you know, so I live through Facebook. Facebook is what I need to validate my life. Oh, and sure. uh, so I've been watching uh, what people are saying about it. And I think that maybe myself and my wife are the only two Star Wars geeks in the world who didn't think that, like, the uh, the new movie was the greatest thing that had ever happened in the history of humanity. Right. Um, you know, I'm I'm sure you that put people... it in the top ten, of course. But <laughs> okay, so it was better than the uh, the the prequels one, two, and three. Um, you know, of which we should probably never speak. Right, those the, didn't happen. Those that was yeah. just a dark time in right. the early two thousands, and right. we'll just yeah. we'll say that never happened. But like uh, Rocky Five. That... <laughs> Rocky Five was when he was poor, right? Or was that, that was when Rocky he beat the Rush? That was Rocky Balboa. That was Rocky. Well, he was poor. He oh, became now poor. We're, now we're going a whole other. But he now. became poor. Which was the one where he became poor? Well, he was poor in the first two, right? Really, but then he got rich yeah. and he beat. He beat. Uh, let's see, what did he do? He, well, in, in three, Mr. Was, T. Right, so he beat up three. Mr. T. That's three. That might have been four. His... Was the Russian? Yeah. 
Yeah, five was then when he lost everything. Yes. And it was all Mickey's fault. No, Mickey, no, Mickey was already dead. Mickey died in three. Or not Mickey, no, no, no. Uh, uh, what was his, uh, his oh, brother? Polly. Yeah. Maybe. Again, I, I, I deny the existence of Rocky Five, so I don't remember the plot. Okay, fair enough. Well. Fair enough. But Rocky okay. Six was, was, uh, was really bad. That was called Rocky Balboa. That was Rocky Balboa. Okay. And then the most recent one. Creed. Creed. Right. Was quite good. Really? Quite excellent. Actually. Because it wasn't really about Sylvester Stallone, right? Well, he, no, he was a big part of it. But um, but he wasn't beating anybody up. No. Okay, that's he was, why he owned a restaurant. He opened a restaurant. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but it's, that was good. Okay. Well, so Anyways, we're, we're, uh, we're, imagine we're, here's here's what I don't here's what I don't like about uh, Californians about, are not going to put up with this. No, they're not. Which we still need to figure out why why California loves this podcast so much when I have zero connection to it. But uh, mm. imagine, so imagine the Rocky movies, but like Sylvester Stallone is dead and they decide to make another Rocky movie. And so they hire an actor who kind of looks like him mm. and then do CGI mask on his face. Oh, yeah, and yeah. yeah, that was pretty much what happens in the new Star Wars movie. And everybody loves that part. Hmm. They think it's just the greatest, like... Like, they managed to resurrect a dead actor to, to be in this movie, and I just... I felt like it was a live-action movie with a video game character. Sounds, um... And I do use this word lightly. Satanic. <laughs> Slightly. That's fair. Yeah. 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 I, I, I do think that it was definitely evil. Um, I think it was a poor choice. Um, the plot of the movie was fantastic, though. If you closed your eyes, if it was an audiobook, yeah. it'd be a great audiobook. Okay. Okay. So I do like a good audiobook. Okay. Are you on Audible? I am. Okay. Yeah. One day Audible should uh, pay for advertising on here. Oh, yeah. Because I could see people who would want to listen to you and I being Audible people. I can see that. And Californians. Well, of course. Of Audible course. Is huge in California. <laughs> so you got to pick what we talked about today. I did. Um, now, granted, uh, it was from a, you know, Patrick does run a pretty tight ship around here. So it was it was limited to a, a, a discrete field here. But... Um, this was a this was a, a sermon, a written sermon, a text that uh, that Patrick crafted a few weeks ago, I think. Yep. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's it's very um, appropriate for the season. And uh, so what we thought we would do is have him read it as as if it was an audiobook or a sermon or there you whatever go. you whatever you think. Yeah. And um, I will then ask a few questions that came to my mind, and hopefully that will be a fun and intelligent. And a learning-inducing activity for all. I just realized when you said, uh, you know, it's it's good for the season. It wouldn't be good for the season if they're listening to this at a different time, mm -hmm. right? Of course. So that's yeah. That's the well. That's a plus. That's that's you know. <laughs> That's why you got to stay. Neither would our talk about Star Wars, right? Right. Right. That, I mean, that's why it's an incentive. <laughs> Fair to, enough. To just stay current, right? By Patrick right. podcast. Exactly. You know what? As Fair if you enough. needed another one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So everyone needs to subscribe on iTunes. But you're right. If this, if you're listening to this in July and you're binge listening, yeah. Well, actually, oh, well, that's really cool. Yeah. And and <laughs> that's yeah. <laughs> thank you, California. <laughs> right. Right. 
<laughs> There's like one guy in California who makes up all of the lessons or lady. We don't I agree. Know. But but I, I, I appreciate your sensitivity to sort of taking this as an asynchronous learning activity. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll keep that in mind. Cool. So uh, I'm going to start with um, a really good like dad joke. All right. Okay. Cool. So cool. when is Hanukkah this year? I don't know. When? The same day as it always is, the 25th of Kislev. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Let's get into the heavy lifting. Um, <clears throat> have you ever had this conversation with yourself or someone else? Right? So it goes like this. Uh, when is Shavuot? Oh, well, that's summer break, so never mind. I have plans. Or when is Passover? Oh, that, that's the busiest time of year for us, so I guess I'm just going to miss the Seder. Or when is Yom Kippur? Ah, yeah, see, that's not going to work. I, I can't take the kids out of school, so oh well, that's, that's just that, I guess. Well, for me, that's okay. I don't judge anyone for it. As a professor of mine used to say, life happens. And I've had these conversations, too. See, Judaism and being Jewish is not always convenient. This year, Hanukkah and Christmas are right on top of each other, literally. We're lighting Christmas trees on the same night we are lighting our first Hanukkah candles. So how can we do Hanukkah and Christmas at the same time? Which religion, culture, family, community gets my time and when and how? And there's always the fear that someone didn't get enough time or respect or that generations from now, because it's always generations from now, the Jewish part will be lost in a sea of red and green ornaments. Some people call this the December dilemma. I've always been the type to say celebrate both and it'll all work out. I still believe that. But this year, I have to say, we need Hanukkah front and center more than ever. I had the pleasure of giving a lecture at VCU, and it was great. The students were great. Um, but what was not great was the anti-Semitic graffiti that I saw on a phone pole as I walked into the building. I could not believe that in downtown Richmond, I would see a Jewish star with the phrase, The Apocalypse is here, spray-painted on public property. What a shame. And worse was coming home and hopping on Facebook to see the extreme number of swastikas that are popping up around the country. Anonymous letters being sent by patriots, letting Jews know they are no longer welcome in their communities, and the rash of hate crimes happening during what is supposed to be the happy holiday season. Judaism is inconvenient. Good. Because the root of inconvenience is responsibility. And that's what Judaism is all about. We have an obligation to celebrate Hanukkah. There are blessings we say thanking God for the miracles that happened long ago. Hanukkah is an observance of this spiritual moment. For most of us, that's a good enough obligation. But perhaps God and miracles aren't your thing. I understand. So instead, celebrate Hanukkah as a historical moment. A moment connected to the values of independence and religious freedom. That's what early American Reformed Jews did. They saw Hanukkah as the Jewish 4th of July. Frankly, that part of the holiday is more interesting than the oil story. Either way, celebrate. Anti-Semitism is growing in America, which makes Hanukkah a defiant act of moral courage. How do we combat the swastikas being spray-painted on buildings across America? Simple. We light a menorah. Every window shining brightly with a Hanukkah is a symbol of that hatred not being welcome. 
It's a way of telling the world that our values have lasted thousands of years, and they, and we, are not going anywhere. It's an act of moral courage, of love, of community, of family. By celebrating, we set a good example for ourselves, for my community, Bone Kodesh, and for Richmond. Menorahs crush evil. And by the way, it ticks off cruel people that non-Jews would celebrate Hanukkah too. Our interfaith community, which we call Bone Kodesh, the community I serve, is a thorn in the side of anti-Semitism. Community is not convenient, but being alone is far worse. We have a few celebrations that I'd like you to attend. And if you are listening to this during uh, this time, <laughs> there are some really cool ones going on. And you can go on bonekodesh.org. That's B as in boy, O-N-A-Y-K-O-D-E-S-H, bonekodesh.org. And you can check out all of those. By the way, though, I should tell you, none of these events are convenient. None of them. I'm sure we all have something to do on the Sunday of religious school. Christmas night is a terrible night to have a party, and a random Wednesday during the kids' winter break is a tough sell. However, less convenient than these community events is being alone. As the days become shorter, the nights are darker, and we have a terrible sense that things are getting really rough. We need each other more than ever. Why have Hanukkah when it doesn't fit in the schedule imposed upon us by an arbitrary calendar that we had no choice in adopting because our celebration of light, warmth, and community contradicts all of our worst fears and brings us home to our hearts? I love every minute of it, and I hope you do too. As I watch anti-Semitism grow in this country, all I can think is, how can I support righteousness in the face of cruelty. So for me, here in Richmond, it's by supporting my local Jewish community. That's our federation, the Jewish Community Center, the mikveh at Temple Bethel, and of course, Bone Kodesh. What is the light of Hanukkah? You are the light of Hanukkah. Let our individual lights come together in a sign of great moral victory and may we give light to others who feel only darkness. So that's what I got for you. Questions, comments, concerns? Not bad. You know, it's all right. <laughs> um, what you got? Well, I, 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 I found a lot of, a lot of, a lot of thought-provoking um, material in that. And I thank you for, for, your, for your read of it. Um, I think one sentence I'd like to ask you a little bit more about is when you said, the root of inconvenience is responsibility, and that is what Judaism is all about. Mm -hmm. can, you, can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah. So generally speaking, I think when things are inconvenient, um, it's because you have to do something. So, um, so I'll give you an example. Uh, when we think it's inconvenient uh, to be standing in line at the grocery store. Uh, it's because we have a responsibility to check out. Like we have a responsibility to go ahead and pay for whatever it is, right? So it's inconvenient to have to stand there and wait and wait and wait. Or, you know, you do self-checkout, right? And it's inconvenient that 
Um, you know, if you want to buy a six pack of beer, you scan it and then you have to wait for the attendant to come and check your ID or you have to weigh certain things and that's not convenient. Why can't you just buy, you know, why do apples have to be sold by the pound? Why can't you just buy uh, an apple and just do that, right? Why do the stickers always fall off the shallots? <laughs> right? <laughs> Those damn shallots. Those shallots. Um, yeah, so so there's, but it's because there's a responsibility there. You have to do something, and the you know the inconvenience is the doing. Um, if you have the ability to just drop something and you don't really care, um, then it's not. A, there is no question of inconvenience because it was completely. Um, uh, it was completely your own choice, and uh, it was almost arbitrary in a way, right? Like, am I going to go to this restaurant or that restaurant? If you fundamentally don't care, if it really doesn't matter to you, then the wait to get a table doesn't mean anything, right? You don't care if, you are, if you're going to wait here or wait mm-hmm. there because um, it just really didn't matter at all. Um, but you feel this sense of like, no, I am going to wait it out because I want this thing or that thing. So those are things that have nothing to do with uh, anything we might think of as religious, right? Those are just day-to-day things. So when you take something like that, that little kernel of the root of inconvenience being responsibility, and then you put it into a religious setting. Well, like, religious settings are like bullhorns. They just amplify everything. And, uh, you know, that's when I think something like this Hanukkah thing comes up. Um, you know, it's, it's inconvenient. It's truly inconvenient that Hanukkah and Christmas are on the same day. It's awful <laughs> for so many people um, because you have to make a choice. Like, what are you going to do? Um, and so... so, so uh, that's that's where it really stinks. Is there's but it's because there's that sense of responsibility. But is that because a lot of people celebrate both? Is yeah. Why you, oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So seventy five percent of non Orthodox Jews marry non Jews. Right. Okay. So really? so yeah yeah it's huge. Okay. Yeah, it's huge. Which shocks me when I think about colleagues of mine, and this isn't meant to disparage them, but I mean I have colleagues who. Uh, won't do interfaith marriages. And when you imagine that that means you will only ever do for the 25%, and you won't even do just for that 25%, you'll be part of a huge number of people who would potentially help the help that couple. Right. That's astounding. Right. It's astounding how like little option you have to take part in something that is for a lot of people the most mean you know maybe second to having children yeah. is the most meaningful time in their life right yeah so this this is where this question of the december dilemma comes in it's okay. you know oh my god it's december how are we going to do hanukkah and christmas interesting i i think um you know i i grew up in a family that celebrated both but but i grew up in a mixed faith family and i think that that was uh, you know, we, we did have we did have to figure it out, um, but it always seemed like. Uh, but I, I've I've also heard the argument that uh, essentially Hanukkah, if Hanukkah's an arm, you know, if it's an arms race, mm-hmm. you know, Christmas is always going to. Oh yeah, win, absolutely. Right, well, and yeah. so and is Hanukkah not even that big of a of a deal? If there was no Christmas, mm-hmm. Hanukkah would be a much. Oh yeah. Um, more minor holiday. Oh, in America that, especially, right. that's true. And I mean, in Israel, Hanukkah is not as big of a deal 
as it is here. Right. I mean, people are more apt to give presents uh, during Passover than they are. And, and really, the truth of the matter is Passover should be the big Jewish holiday. It was the start of the Jewish calendar before we swapped it mm. and had Rosh Hashanah. But uh, yeah, in, in really the perfect world, Hanukkah wouldn't be a big deal. Um, but it's its connection to Christmas, uh, connection and calendar time to Christmas yeah. that made it what it is. Interesting, um, and especially in light of the, you know, um, what a lot of Christians believe that a lot about Christmas isn't really. Christian, right, right. So right. it's like you're you're going against this sort of false, <laughs> false uh, conflict in a way because you know obviously Santa Claus is not really Christian. Right. Christmas trees aren't really Christian in most right. in most views. So that's very interesting. Yeah. Um, so, but I, I do thank you for clarifying that point about inconvenience and responsibility. I think um, to me, in responsibility strikes me as a very sort of serious and powerful concept and mm-hmm. maybe a bit more a bit higher in the in the pantheon than inconvenience but I, right. I think that's an interesting connection that I hadn't thought about and and why is Judaism all about responsibility or inconvenience that's the second part of that sentence so um, so Judaism uh, is really a series of commandments of meets vote. And we say that something is a mitzvah, and if you say it with kind of a Yiddishy inflection, you think of it as like a good deed, like you did you did something right. Like, oh, you did a mitzvah, you took out the trash, right? Right. Um, but it's I did not. That yesterday. <laughs> hey, Sorry. I did. I'm I did too. Good. And then the trash people never took it. Oh, so God. my wife sent an angry email, and then they took it today. Oh, so okay. hey, moral hey. of the story with trash. Um, greasy, greasy wheels, and what and whatnot. Yeah, it's yeah. true. I mean, squeaky wheel. Squeaky wheel, yeah. No. Squeaky wheel gets the mm-hmm. worm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> the Californians are never going to forget mi- that one. Mix up as many uh, analogies as possible. Hey, it's water under the dam, right? Yeah. So <laughs> let's, let's just move on. Yeah, so um, yeah. So mitzvah means um, command, uh, commandment. And so Judaism is a collection of these and the sort of... Um, old interpretation is to say that there are 613 of them. We can't follow all of those because uh, a lot of them have to do with temple sacrifice and things that don't exist anymore. But we anxiously await a time when somehow this is going to become relevant again. Uh, I don't know. But um, yeah, that's where, and I, I think for some people, maybe not everybody, there's a little bit of an existential angst that happens around what you do or do not do mm-hmm. and how you do it and how that affects how you identify. So like, you know, how can, you do Hanukkah in other words, well, how you do Judaism in general. Okay. Right. So like, you know, if you're uh, sort of the person who's like, uh, a quarter Jewish on your mom's grandfather's side, right? But like, you know, you've always gone to Hanukkah parties and you've always been to a Seder and that, but like, you know, the rest of the time in your life, you really just, it's not Judaism is necessarily relevant. You aren't, you know, you aren't thinking like, hmm, what would Moses do in this situation? Right. Like, that's not WWMD. your deal. <laughs> I miss that trend among evangelicals of wearing the "What Would Jesus Do?" bracelets. Yeah, um, I think the Live Strong bracelets kind of came in, and you only, you know, people people only had room yeah. for so many. I wonder what the next bracelet will be. 
don't know. Yeah, uh, something to look into. WWMD. No, I think you. Yeah. I think you just thought. Yeah. Of what it. would Moses do? All right. Cool. Let's do it. Let's make this happen. Right. I'm gonna start putting out product. It's a little too late. Like I can't sell these for Hanukkah this year. No. Next year, do a Kickstarter. Kickstarter to get uh, and all of our July listeners. You oh, can start getting ahead. Let's right? go on ahead and just say that you can go to uh, rabbipatrick.com <laughs> yeah. forward slash WWMD and you can go on ahead and uh, begin purchasing your uh, your What Would Moses Do bracelets. Heck, why not? Why, like, not? Wh- why not? What's the worst thing that's going to happen? I, there's going to be that one guy in Sacramento who's yeah. going to be really mad that like, wait a minute, I downloaded every episode and listened a hundred times and you never put that up. Well, California has some pretty strict consumer protection laws. So really? We could be... Uh, oh, man. I we'll, have be... To, we'll just have to make them then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That right. works for me. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I think that some people struggle with that. And then um, I see this a lot around bar and bat mitzvah. So this life cycle that is actually kind of like Hanukkah in the sense that it's a very American thing. And it's something that's not... Um, necessarily a big deal but we turned it into one and so people have angst about like oh my god my kid is 10 and we've got to like figure this out what are we going to do and we don't go to synagogue so like how are we going to make this this ancient ritual that's only about 100 years old like happen (laughs) right so um yeah so i think that goes back to responsibility right i'm somehow responsible for this kid or for my own identity and making it legit on some level and um and all of that and i think judaism has has that built into it because it's command right commandment is built into it it's part of that responsibility too to kind of ask some of these questions and learn some of this so you don't so you so you learn from your rabbi or from somebody else that bar and bad mitzvahs are really only 100 years old and you can relax a little bit or, or, or that's not one of the commands. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've had conversations with in particular bar and bat mitzvah families where I've told them that and they've corrected me and said, no, like this is, this is the most important thing that will ever happen. And, uh, and or buying the more expensive, uh, smoked salmon uh, for the reception afterwards. Right. I mean, that's and a no-brainer, but yes, I know what you're saying. Go quality. Right, right. Always go quality. <laughs> right. no, no lower... Sh- no, Don't like, skip on the locks. Top, top I mean, shelf, that's... top shelf locks only. All right. <laughs> um, that's interesting, though, because I, I, you're right. At a certain at some, Sometimes, I'm sure you, you, you find this, um, as a rabbi, there are sometimes when people people have decided, and they, they've asked you a question, but they're not actually looking looking for an answer unless it's confirming what they've already... There's a uh, a rabbi um, who I, I wish I could remember his name, but he's in uh, Baltimore, and he's a Haredi, so he's what we say ultra-Orthodox. And he gave a, a presentation, and he was talking about customs, and he said, you know, there's this rumor, this this thought that some people have, that if you have a kosher home and you have separate plates for meat and milk, uh, if you accidentally put the wrong thing on the wrong plate, uh, effectively, it, we use the word trafe, but it effectively means you can't use that plate anymore. It's been 
uh, made unkosher. That what you do is you bury it in the backyard, and then after a certain amount of time, uh-huh. you can go and dig it back up. And he's, he used this example because he said, this is not true. Like, there's nothing in Judaism that says you bury the spoons in the backyard. He said, but there's people who legitimately believe that. And he paused, and I thought he was going to, like, start saying, oh, and people are dumb or something like that. And he said, you have to respect people who believe that because customs and what you are taught as a child have more strength than Jewish law does. And so thinking about like bar and bat mitzvah or the way you're supposed to do a Jewish wedding or Jewish funeral customs, I mean, there are people who, you know, look, they may not do anything that we think of as Jewish 364 days out of the year, but that one day they're going to do it. And grandma said this, and it, it may not be blessed are you, Lord, our God. It may be blessed are you, grandma. That may be their liturgy. Are you good and, with that? Am I good with people basically saying like, no, this is the way it's going to be? Well, well, not necessarily that, but I mean, and I should, I should be, I should be more precise in my wording. I guess you know, you you just said, well, you know, for some people, family custom trumps Jewish law in terms Mm -hmm. of authority. Yeah, is that theologically sound? Um, so theologically, yes. Um, so I'm, I'm sort of wiggling my way out of this one. All right. So theologically, yes, because Jewish law is, is really, has become so humanly, um, uh, interpreted over time that the law that we practice now or choose to reject now is really human in nature. And so we have this idea of fences around the Torah. So fences around Jewish law because you don't want to do the wrong thing. So you create multiple um, sort of storm doors. Uh, fences into the, around the wall, I've heard. Is the yeah, 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 fences around the wall and then a moat and then, <laughs> right. and then, and then another wall and then uh, you have some guards at the door with tasers. Um, yeah, so, you know, so, so theologically, you know, I don't believe in a God who's arbitrary. So I don't okay. believe in a God who would say like, oh, you skipped this part of the uh, Rosh Hashanah service or you read this instead of that and by eight degrees of Jewish legal separation, I'm mad as hell at you, right? right? Like that's just not, that's just not me. So what I try to do is I try to respect that um, Judaism is, is something that is passed down through families. And if there are families that have customs or families who have beliefs about how things are supposed to be, unless it's totally egregious. I was going to say there must yeah. be some limit there, right? Yeah, I mean, so, so there are, but it's very few and far between. Yeah. And, and I found that people who are very difficult, like people who, like, it just has to be a certain way. and what, They are so turned off by me as a rabbi the second that they meet me that I... I am my own um, filtering system <laughs> in a certain kind right. of way. I don't know if that's the right word to no, use, exactly. but like you find out that the tattooed rabbi is available and happy to officiate the wedding, and then you go, oh, no, wait, that's not for me. Right. And so, yeah, it filters out uh, that kind of uh, personality. So that, so that um, limits those types of, of, of conversation. Yeah, oh, yeah, it cuts them down dramatically. Right. Yeah, probably by 90%, right. I'd say. Right. Yeah. Interesting. That's very interesting. All right, shall I move on to another quote? Please. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so this was another one that jumped out at me. Okay. Um, less convenient than our community events, meaning Onai Kodesh's community events, is being alone. Yeah. So 
I think I know what you're getting at there, um, but but I also think that in some ways, being alone is the most convenient in the mm-hmm. sense that you don't have to. You don't have if you if, if you know if you live alone, there are lonely times and so forth, but. At the same time, you have to make no concessions to anyone yeah. else. You eat what you want when you want. You clean right. up what you want when you want. You go to sleep when you want. You play your music when you want. Right. Now, I, I know I know you're not entirely – you're talking about things that you would have to leave the house for. But my point is that I don't necessarily uh, associate being alone with – with inconvenience, if yeah. anything. Do you know what I mean? Sure, sure. And you're right. No I mean, compromise. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think back sometimes to, you know, before I got married and how, yeah, like I lived alone in an apartment and, yeah, I could make my own schedule and, you know, what I wanted to eat and clean, like you said. Um, so, yeah, so I get that. I think um, one of the problems that we have right now um and the the beatles i guess were the ones who figured it out the idea of lonely people in the song eleanor rigby um but uh i think that we confuse being alone and being lonely right Um, sure and i think you know it's it's okay and it's very easy to be alone in so, on some random Tuesday in the middle of March. Like, that's pretty easy. But what is it about um, holidays, right? It's because maybe it goes back to the idea of uh, obligation. You know, we feel this obligation to have this communal moment. Um, you know, no one wants to be alone on Christmas. No one wants to be alone, uh, no, you know, on, uh, or on any holiday. No one wants to spend their birthday alone. You know, even if you say you do. Right, and maybe sometimes you do, but no. Like generally speaking, it would have no. to be a very. I, I think something like that it would have to be a a, um, a real reasoned choice. You know, yeah. um, I want to go off and contemplate my next decade right, on a camping right. trip alone or yeah. something like that. Then yeah. I buy it. Yeah, but I think that's probably like not even the ten percent. That's like the one yeah. percent of person who. Yeah, so I, I think right. um, this podcast we do cater to the one percent. That's, <laughs> that's been not another of our of our hallmarks. Yeah, but anyway, true. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I I, I would say that uh, yeah that it's um, you, you can be alone and and that actually can be easy because you can say oh well I don't have time to go to this event or to do this thing or ah oh, well I'll catch them next time or. Uh, and I think that's that's actually a problem. I think it's actually good when we make religious um, events, spiritual events, somewhat exclusive, like some not something that happens all the time, um, like uh, Orthodox and conservative synagogues where it's like, oh, the minion meets at seven thirty every day. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like that 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 takes all the that takes all the fun out of it, right? If you only meet once, then it's unique yeah. and interesting. Um, but uh, that's my own opinion. Right. But, but yeah, but I think that it's easy to, to it's easy to be alone, and it's easy to say I'm not going to come to this thing or or something like that. But um, ultimately, in the long run, all of those moments of being alone add up to and are a sign of loneliness, um, and that I think is terribly inconvenient. Um, because um, human beings need other people. Uh, life is lived with others. 
Um, and people who I know who have sort of gone the route of saying, like, I'm alone, but I'm not lonely. Like, yeah, but, you At know. At times. But I guess, I guess, so I guess your point there is that ultimately the community is going to be better for you than running solo. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We we can do better at it now than maybe we did um, in our ancient ancestral time, right? Like if you lived in the Bronze Age, being alone was the worst possible scenario because no one was looking out for you. And maybe today in modern secular culture, there's police and there's a social safety net of sorts. Um, but yeah, even then it's like, there are times when you need someone to drive you to the doctor's appointment because the car, you know, when stopped working and yeah, you could take Uber, um, but you could also have a friend drive you and that it's conveyance, right? It's being taken somewhere, but it's, it goes from being a consumer experience to a, an emotional experience. Okay, so so I guess I just was a little confused with the with the convenience piece of that, but you're basically just making an argument for the importance of community. Absolutely, there, yeah. Which I don't think anybody can, um, I, or I won't say anyone. I'm not gonna challenge that one right now. I I say we we say, hey, is there anyone out there who thinks that uh, people are rotten and <laughs> there's no reason to, to engage with others? Please send an email to podcast at rabbipatrick.com. And why not? Why not? Let's, let's see what happens. Right. Well, and I think, and I think, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you can go biologically that, I mean, humans are social yeah. creatures in a way that, you know, I don't think rattlesnakes, you know, are. I mean, I'm not, I'm not up on my rattlesnake biology, yeah. but I don't believe they live in groups generally. I don't suspect so. I, don't I'm, suspect. I, I can't see that as being too fun for a rattlesnake. No. Unless they play their little snake bodies like maracas. Or they might want to jam. Yeah, yeah. They might want to yeah. jam. It's a, uh, yeah, it's a drum circle. Maybe a non-rattling uh, copperhead. <laughs> I don't believe they, they don't rattle. But, but yeah. What? And if any, if a biologist wants to write in, yeah, I tell like explain thing. this to us. Same thing. Yeah, fair enough. Podcast at rabbipatrick.com. There we go. Um, Rattlesnakes. Yes. Um, and I guess my other, I had one more, one more passage jumped out. Okay. At me, and then we can we can kind of wrap this this puppy up. Uh, and this this was this was this is a little less deep, but um, at the towards the end when you said supporting Bonai Kadesh, supporting your Jewish community crushes the heart of evil um is that i mean crushing little, the heart of little evil. over the top is that, a, is that where you're is going that a with little this? bit a little extra rhetoric there sir or or are you are you, what did you are, are you going to stick with that i'm gonna stick with it i'm gonna stick with it because i wrote it and i can't take it back <laughs> so um uh, nah, i guess the only thing i would say is uh you know sometimes one does want a hint of color in their language oh one one and, does one and does. uh yeah and but, i think but i mean i think it i think it emphasizes the point that you're making though that um the kind of cross-cultural or even defiant act that being part of a jewish community is right now and I think you're you're kind of um, it's it's a it's an encouraging it's an encouragement is what it is it's what you're you're trying to encourage people yeah yeah um, I I think it's interesting that we live in a time now where people are freaked out about tribalism and yet 
what do we what do we see particularly online right everybody belongs to little groups everybody has their own little identity politic everybody you know what are you i'm paleo gluten free vegan oh no that's horrible i'm paleo gluten free right. fr- freegan like i mean right. it's you know everybody has these little identities that they're working on um, and uh, and yet something like a spiritual identity, oh well, that's that's tragic. That's that's an, a relic to an ancient time. It's by the fact that you have people who literally want to eat like cavemen, right? Right? Like somehow Judaism is nuts, but like I think that the Neolithic period is when they figured out the key to like dietary habits. Like okay, come on, you know that's what? that's far weirder than me saying that menorahs crush evil. Right, so. it is, it is. But another interesting thing about, about tribalism, too, is that I think, you know, the, the example you just gave, right, if, if, if a paleo, you know, the paleo, like some paleo eaters mm-hmm. eat dairy and some don't. Right. Right? And I think they feel very passionately one way or the other. And they right. would be willing to have a very, if I was a paleo uh, dairy consumer <laughs> and you weren't, right. we, I, I'm sure we could have a really pretty serious and pretty um, in-depth conversation about it, right? Right. Even though... We're, you know, kind of 99% the same, right? Yeah, but that little right. bit of difference, we end up... It's enough to hate each other, right. pretty much. Where, yeah, have whereas, fisticuffs. Or, or, or even, if it was a, even if it was a friendly conversation, we, we would really, folk, you know, it would be a lot of, still a lot of grounds for argument, right, right, right. or discussion, or right. learning. Whereas, if, I'm, if, if I consider my tribe to be paleo eaters, and you consider your tribe to be, to be Judaism... right. We're gonna have a, a harder time talking. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's yeah. so funny. So it's like the cl- the more similar the tribes are, the more they can talk about their differences and, and almost learn oh, from them. Oh, interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah, Whereas like yeah, you that's I, really interesting. If we were just talking paleo, we we actually could learn a lot from each other. Whereas if we're just going paleo to Judaism, right? So I, and I think that's you know, but maybe that's a strength of. Of yours is that you're you're trying to have these conversations in a number of different contexts, yeah. So that it's not just, well, that's the Jew in the corner, right? 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 So, yeah. Maybe um, maybe this is helping in some. Small so way. you're suggesting I should go do CrossFit and eat beef jerky and uh, you know work out until I vomit, like uh, a lot of the. Uh, Really hardcore paleo people. Are yeah, doing. T- twice daily. I and, would, I would, and, I, and do it where what? Well, wearing a yarmulke. Right, right, right. <laughs> Just to start some conversation in between the puking and the jerky. Wear a right. Maccabees t-shirt. Right there we go. Buff out. Yeah, yeah. CrossFit games. There you go. Uh, interesting. Yeah, no. Um, and maybe maybe we could talk about that uh, next time because um, I know that there was an event. At some point in the last year, I believe, a group at Harvard Divinity School invited um, Greg Glassman, who's the founder of CrossFit, mm-hmm. to talk uh, to a group of students there about, I guess, some, some similarities and differences between gyms or things like CrossFit that are more than right. just the average gold's gym right. in terms of community that they try to build and how that contrast with religion or what religion can learn from it it was it's an interesting idea so maybe, oh maybe that yeah i'd love that. to talk more about that yeah wow but we're uh, you know it's approaching the witching hour it's true it's a whole of 845 <laughs> i know we're right? about to turn into pumpkins <laughs> all right thank you very much for listening to the rabbi patrick podcast and uh, to all of our listeners in california 
when are you going to invite us out to, to hang out? At least have a beer or something. Yeah. Anything. Right. <laughs> Thanks a lot, everybody. Thank you.